Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 3. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they explore their impact on the world and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris. I play Iolana Makani, the Air Genasi Mystic, and you can find me at Killer on Twitter. Hi, my name is Nate. I play Darwin Grimm, the Human Monk, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Nate on Twitter. Hi, I'm Shannon. I play Aranis Gray, also known as Gray the Great to my fans, and the Bard of the Bard's Rebellion. I am a half-elf bard, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Shannon on Twitter. And you can find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyren. Coming around the bend, just down the slope of the tunnel, you see a humanoid-like figure with some features, except made of stone and dirt. Similar to an elemental, but there's a bit more of a refined shape to him. Colonel Faybrook and Churlet immediately look frightened, as if they know who this is. Accompanying this stony person is what at first looks like a construct, but held together by like sections of wood. So there's like metal plating and then like some like some large tree branches holding the limbs to the torso. And there's a faint green glow coming out of a visor. And the stone person addresses everybody. I can't help but notice there are an awful lot of strangers in my cave. Somebody owes me an explanation. I really don't care who. Colonel Faybrook free of the hands, rushes over to Darwin and says, yeah, whatever he wants, uh, we should probably just give it to him so we can get out of here. This is, yeah, Colonel Fabric will let you know who this is. He knows who this is. He said, that's Cade Mandeville. He is known as Rubillo's Blessed. He is the demigod of land the child of Rebillo, the god of the land. Got it. But he's dead, so there's at least that going for you. Something at some point killed him. <laughs> so yeah, who would like to address our new demigod friend? Do I hear Colonel Faybrook say all that stuff? Probably, yeah. I don't see why not. Okay. Cade, let me be the first to apologize. I was not aware when we came in here that this cave was somebody's property, that we were trespassing on somebody's particular land. We are simply passing through on our way to get out of your hair. So if you let us go, you'll never see us again. Passing through my cave? There's, there's no exit here. Well, okay. Where could you possibly be going? Away. I've got my head in my hand right now, Arnis. <laughs> If he doesn't know there's an exit, I don't really want to tell him. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm being as vague as possible all of a sudden it's, on purpose. 
it's not that he doesn't know about what's at the other end of the cave. It's that he knows that it is damaging for any soul to travel through it. The dead souls. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, if a soul tries to pass through that barrier into the grayscape, they, they it goes vanish. very poorly for them. Yeah. Yes, they start vanishing. So fine then, he will play a little less dumb then. The only thing at the other end of that cave is a path to destruction. There are easier ways to go about destroying yourself. Oh, I have no intention of doing that. Then what is your intent? To leave. To where? Wait, do we already establish somewhere that there's no way to tell the difference between like somebody who's just a soul and somebody who's living? No, there's a way. Like it's yeah, it's it's very possible. It just takes like effort to look. Okay. You know, most people assume here in the realm of the dead that everybody else is also dead. So I'm I'm trying to decide if I should tell him that we're living. I feel like I shouldn't. Okay. But well, because everybody seems to want to hitch a ride. Yeah. Why don't we just be like, yo, we're getting out of here because we have souls. You, like these other fools, cannot hitch a ride. Peace. I mean, you're getting out of here because you have bodies. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Everybody's got a soul. That's all that these other people are. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's fair. (laughs) Is Vale or Iolana going to say that or is that just a suggestion? No, I, I got it. I'm already talking to this fool. So, look, Cade. We can go through that door because we're like living. Mm. As, I mean, as opposed to you who are not. So we'll just be going out of your cave now. Yes, I understand the difference between the living and the not living. Huh. Been a while since, you know, anybody with a body actually came down here. Hmm. <laughs> I think... uh Hmm. Mm. Which levers do I want to pull here? Um, first, first Cade, first Cade. Okay. Cade continues on. Well, if you're leaving back to the world of the living, you do understand you could take people with you, right? Oh Lord. Here we go again. Uh Uh-huh. You think it's a paradise being dead? How is it that you came to be dead? Demigod. It's a long story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've got time for it right now. Clearly, I'm in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It had to be said uh, eventually. Nice. <laughs> 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 just. Oof. I was begging for it. Just waiting uh-huh, for an opportunity. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Well, if you find it comfortable being in my hands, then sure, we could all sit down and have a nice long chat. Well, I could sit down. You could just stay put. I mean, I don't particularly, <laughs> but I i swear to God, you're like the 10th person to be like, oh, hey, why don't you just like take me with you? Yeah. Like, I'm all full up in here, bro. You're really not. <laughs> a body can handle well more than just a single soul. But me, personally, I want to go back so I can resume serving my uh, parent. So I could resume my work for Rubillo. At this, Vale, who's been focused on attuning to the item and is finally finished. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's finished. Rises up, dusts themselves off with their one arm, <clears throat> here's their throat, and says, Demigod, I'm not sure if you've heard of me, but my name is Vale. And lets that hang for a minute. 
waiting to see if there's any reaction. Yes. Yeah, he he nods. Like, yes, I've heard of you. I have gone through a great deal to get here to this point. I have made a deal with Coram, who's granted me passage to leave this place. Mm -hmm. My friends have all said no to everyone that they've encountered, and I'm not taking on a hitchhiker. I'm going to ask kindly that you please let us pass before this escalates. Not taking on a hitchhiker. Two of you already have. He points to Arnis, you with your loot. And then he points to Vale. And he says, you with that amulet. Now, just because you're carrying them in items doesn't mean that you don't have hitchhikers, as you say. I'm sorry. She came in the same way I did. Doesn't matter that you brought her with you here. Uh, what matters is that you're willing to carry other people with you. Does it make a difference if I'm inside of your body as opposed to inside something that you have? Yes. Okay, actually, no. If you're willing to possess a dagger or a sword or a boot, then cool, yeah, you can come with us, but no one's a taking you on in their bodies. A boot? No, I'm not in... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. <laughs> really, if I, you just want to put a, a demigod in your shoe? I've got a boot of holding at this point. I don't oh, know what right. the limitations got, are on magic. That's right. You've got the boot of holding. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, Vale had all our shit. Possessed boot of holding. Possessed boot of holding. Um. Well, Vale, you make an interesting offer. Would you like to roll some persuasion, or was this in jest? I know, this was in jest. Vale doesn't truck okay. with gods beyond Corum at this point, and the only reason they're trucking with Corum is because it's going to get them out of the realm of the dead. Okay, then. Mm. <laughs> well, then let's not roll persuasion, since you're just being a jerk. <laughs> Sorry, not you, Chris, but Vale. Yeah. Well, I guess the stories that I've heard about you all are true. Selfish indeed. Unfortunate. Dude, I didn't get you killed. Not willing to help somebody out when they ask. So, selfish. No one here is giving up their free will to carry you through onto the other side just because you think you're some big bad guy who can force that upon us. Who said anything about losing free will? It's a partnership. You're a demigod. I'm a strong ally. Or a dangerous enemy. Oh, I'm so sick of these fucking gods. Except Vale says the sec, the fucking in Draconic. <laughs> I like to swear in Draconic. I don't have to let you leave. If you can make your way out through the other end of this tunnel, I can just close it off. Okay, Mr. Sandman. If you know who I am, you know what I've been doing in this realm. Mm-hmm. Before Coram agreed to let me leave, I made him a promise I would keep to a minimum the number of souls I took from his realm. I didn't promise I wouldn't take any more on my way out. Mm -hmm. Seems like you really want to get out into the realm of the living. You do know there's a second option in this situation, correct? To get to the realm of the living? No, no, no. So you see this as you come here, you bully us into taking you with you, and then you get to be alive. I see this as, you come out here and are a total dick. We kill you and you don't get to live an unlife anymore either. Mm. Which would you rather have? Permanent 
no longer existence or another attempt, no matter how many years from now, to let someone else pass through here and convince them again. Looks to me like you've got all eternity to keep trying. All right, Vale. Do you want to roll some intimidation? Yeah, roll some intimidation. I don't want to, but I will. (laughs) But you're gonna because of what you just said. I know. Sounds like you're trying to be pretty badass here. Mm-hmm. It's a 13. Mm-hmm. And you should know, Vale, that just because I've died once doesn't mean I'm any easier to kill this time around. Even if you make it out, can you say the same for all of your friends here? Do you think everybody would survive? Just out of question, how up on what's going on in the realm of the living are you? Pretty not. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware. So you're aware that the god of chaos is dead, right? Oh, yes. Are you aware of who killed him? Uh, from what I'm told, uh, a bard. Hi. Yeah, not only was it a bard, but it was a bard, a monk, an assassin. Now, not only do you have those three people standing in front of you right now, but you have their three additional allies. You really want to take a chance against the three that killed the god of chaos? Demigod? Hmm. Hmm. Roll another intimidation. I'll give you advantage this time. Because <laughs> I need it. Well, and because this is good stuff. Fucking A. Oh my god. Why do I try to do anything social? <laughs> That's a three total. What? What was the other one? I rolled a one and a two. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm not going to say I know how you killed Pathox, but I can say that I'm fairly certain it's not a feat you could do again. Don't let the demi in front of the god part fool you. I'm still quite capable. Now, I didn't come here to kill you. I came here to find out why people were here, but knowing that you're alive, I didn't come here to kill you. You being alive is the most valuable part of you. You being able to return is your greatest asset and your biggest mm, bargaining chip. So if there's some sort of deal or compromise that can be made here, I'd be willing to listen. Okay. If not, I'm fine with just staying here. Until you change your mind. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked the other guy when he tried the same play. What do we get? What do you want? Well, I mean, you clearly don't want us dead, but you want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. What do we get if we help you? Because I don't see an upside for me, except you slowly taking control of my body. You don't see an upside. No. The power of a demigod, not an upside. The knowledge of centuries, millennia past, not an upside. Can I sidebar with you for a second? (laughs) Like not in front of everybody, Mr. Demigod, as everyone stares at me like I'm insane. Hey, yeah. How do people react to to Aranus wanting some alone time with the Demigod? I assume it means he's changing his mind, but whatever, let him. You'll want to stay silent. Completely preparing to get out of this hand as soon as they see that that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Vale gives Yolana a look, or gives Arnis a look and a go a right ahead gesture. Hmm. <laughs> While everybody stares at me like, uh, you know who you're attempting to negotiate with? <laughs> well, all right then. 
Cade whispers to his companion. This shouldn't take too long. Just keep an eye on everybody. And they nod. And Cade moves forward through the ice without stepping. Sorry, without like lifting feet up off the ground, but more striding and taking the ground under his feet. So that way bits of stone and rock break through the ice, creating a little path for him. And he sidles on up to Aranus. Is this private enough? It'll do. Now then, in hushed tones, as he leans in close, what is it you want to say? First, I have a question. Mm -hmm. You were born a demigod? Yes. Any of the gods ever tell you how they came to get their power? (laughs) My eyes got very big there. Mm. The direct answer here is, well, no, none of them told me how they personally got their power. But I may have heard some things from Rubillo regarding other gods. He's not telling you right now. No, I know. I know he's not. (sighs) About to do something real stupid. Um, I need to know something from you. Hmm. Why are you dead? What happened that you ended up dead? The short answer is sacrifice. As in you were sacrificed or you sacrificed yourself to save someone? No, uh, no, nobody is sacrificing demigods out there. Oh my God. I don't know. I think Vale likes that plan. (laughs) I I mean, it's something that we could certainly explore if y'all want to make a cult, but um, that's not what he is talking about. (laughs) Darf is like nodding his head. Start a cult. Start a cult. Start a cult. I want to sacrifice demigods. Darvin, you okay starting a cult? Not starting a revolution. Cult is different. I didn't say I was okay starting a cult. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, That's not what he said. That's not what Kate. No, no. I know. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Um. I mean, if you all, if you all want to, uh, that's certainly something we could explore. No. Sorry, if that's something Darwin wants to do, that's something we could certainly explore. <laughs> I was like 2,000% no, but I don't know about Darwin. At a later date, yes. Okay. Um, Says the monk of death. <laughs> just want to sacrifice demigods. It sounds fun. Veil's down for that. Sounds like a good way to become a demigod. Right? Okay. Um, anyways, back to the question at hand. Demigods aren't like gods. <laughs> Cade tells you, no, I, I sacrificed myself. I wasn't certain at the time that it would lead to my death, but here I am. I do not regret sacrificing myself, but I do regret that it meant the end of my service and that I cannot help anymore. Not being familiar with the, I mean, you know, walk on land, of course, but what does a demigod of the land do? What does a half-elf do? Well, I'm a bard, so I play music. Yeah, that's you. No, but I mean, you like you want to be of service. So what? What does that mean? I'm guessing the god of the land is is pretty neutral, right? Like unaligned, unless they've got motives of some sort. Everybody has motives. Don't be silly. But yes, in life, I served Rubillo, carrying out their will, strengthening the land, protecting it. And when he says it, he's not. He's not speaking like a druid would say, like, I serve the land, or it's like, I serve the trees and the animals and nature. He literally means, like, the land, like, the thing beneath your feet. Growing mountains, 
creating passages, filling the ground with its treasures, and occasionally, as needed, protecting it and protecting Rabillo. You've put me in a very strange position, Scott Blake. <laughs> That's why I'm here, to put you guys in strange positions. Yeah. So you can make decisions. And so you can occasionally murder things. Don't forget, you've already got a deal with the God of Plants. Oh, gosh. No, I've got, I've got a ball and chain from the God of Plants. <laughs> That's not a deal. It's don't hurt my fucking plants or I will murder your ass. And it really, is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? Don't hurt the plants. It's really, it's, it's not too much to ask. I just regret that I was an idiot. <laughs> anyway, but you know, I, I did that. My bad. Whatever. Yeah, it's basically like a basically like an ankle monitor from the god of plants. Okay, y'all are gonna have to do some separating of what you know from what your characters know, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I look at this guy and I say, "If I help you, there's only one thing I want." I'm listening. You're gonna help me become a god. And I turn to everybody else and I go, "I'm sorry." <sighs> Let's go, buddy. So what of that do we know? None of it. Cool. So, so all we hear is, I'm sorry, let's go. Then why did you turn around and say, I'm sorry? Because you guys don't want him to go with us. He's coming with us. Because Arnus is making a decision. Darwin's neutral on this anyway. No big deal. As you turn around and say, you're sorry, Vale looks you dead in the eye and say, what did you do? No, no, don't answer. Are we getting out of here? Yeah. Then I don't care. Wow. And that is cold. Vale's priorities are just very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so are mine. <laughs> okay, so Aranus, after apologizing to your friends for what they're not sure yet, Cade walks around you to your other side and places his hands on your shoulders. And as he does so, the giant stone hand that is grasping you dissolves back into the earth beneath your feet. He looks you straight in the eye and says, are you ready? I mean, I don't know if you can ever be ready, but yeah, I go for it. And then beginning with his feet, you see his legs turn into like a spiraling sandstorm as it just goes up his body. And you see him kind of dissolve into this cloud of earth and dirt swirling in the air as his soul moves into you, pierces through your flesh, through your chest, through your face without any physical pain. He's not actually hurting you. There's no cutting. There's no puncture. But you see this swirling form pass through you and you feel inside this overwhelming and immense sense of power and understanding. Aranus, I need you to make two saving throws here. Okay. The first constitution just because this is somewhat of a shock to your body. We all know how well constitution saves seem to go. Mm -hmm. 15. It is a shock to your body. You get like flashes of heat and cold within you and you just break out into a sweat. And then make an intelligence saving throw. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, why, God, why? Because as Cade is going into you, and for a brief moment, you are sharing everything about each other. And that includes all of his understanding. And can your brain 
parse it, push it aside, do anything with it. Oh, thank God. I got a 19. <sighs> and that's like on the die, because that is plus zero. <laughs> wow. And for a brief moment, your mind opens up, and there's just a flood of information about Cade, about the world, about people and places long since past. And then it's silenced. And you hear Cade's voice in your head. Thank you, RNS. I'm sure that we can make this easy on both of us. As soon as there is a way for me to get out once we're in the world of the living, I will take my leave of you. But for as long as I'm with you, I will help see that we both meet our goals. I try to talk back to him in my head, not knowing oh, yeah. whether or not it'll work. So I just kind of think. Absolutely, you can. So I just think, okay. Okay. Darwin. Yes. Iolana, you are still grasped by giant stone hands. Meanwhile, Charlotte is edging his way up to try to get closer to the pair of you. Ooh, he's a smart guy. Who's he more afraid of? I think he's more afraid of Iolana. So he's going to Darvin. And Darvin, Churlet approaches you and he says, See, your friend has taken on a guest. It's not so bad. Perhaps you'd be willing to change your mind. No, sorry. <sighs> I think as you say that, Colonel Faybrook like steps up and just pushes Churlet in the chest, like puts a hand on him, like shoves him away, like, hey. No, he said no. You're definitely outnumbered now. You should probably go. What are people doing? Ilana and Darvin, you're still grasped. Vale, you are not. Oh, I want to get them ungrasped. Like, hey, hey, buddy, you need to let them go. Oh, <clears throat> I'd nearly forgotten. <laughs> Got you. And it's, Arnest, it's like in your head, you can feel him waving a hand. You see the stone hands grabbing everybody just dissolve back into the ground. Now, what are people doing? Ilana, Vale, Darwin, Suppression, Barreras. Is Trillet still there? Yeah, yeah, he's still there. He's kind of getting stared down by Colonel Fabric at the moment. Can I roll a stealth check as Vale to sneak up behind him? Yes. That's a crit. <laughs> <laughs> he sees the hand dissolve from around Darwin, and his attention is just focused on Colonel and Darwin right now. He's like, uh-oh. I was threatening slash trying to persuade this guy to let me in. And now they're both free and just doesn't notice that Vale is loose. What are you doing? Correct Vail? me if I'm not wrong or if I am wrong. Trillet is an orc. Yes. So orcs are like what? Like six, seven feet tall. They're, they're tallish. Yeah. He's probably in the six foot range. He's not the beefiest of orcs because He's more on the magic side, but he has still got a bigger frame. But uh, taller than Vale. Yeah, I would imagine so. I'm just going to reach up with my good arm. Your one arm? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like when you tap someone on the shoulder, you tap with, you tap with your fingertips, right? Traditionally. Uh -huh. I'm going to tap with the, the side of the hand so that clearly showing that I've got my bracer on, right? On his shoulder. Not like a karate chop, but just like a tap tap to get his attention. Uh-huh. And whisper, not really in his ear, but close to him. You're outnumbered, buddy. If you don't want to die a permanent death, you should probably leave. 
Uh, go ahead and roll intimidation again with advantage. You're sneaky, sneaking. It definitely caught him off guard. 16. So your nearness, him being surrounded, him seeing Aranus just make a deal with the soul of a demigod. He looks around. He sees that he's not in a great position. Very well. But if I find my way out of here, you'll regret not taking my deal. And he tries to sidestep away from your hand, if you'll let him. Yeah, I'll let him. He sidesteps away and just takes a few steps back down the tunnel. He's just kind of like looking at you, just like watching you. He motions for Chief Durkroff. So it's like, we'll find another time. Fail's going to look to Arnis and say, is there anything you can do about sealing this tunnel behind us? I flip the question to the guy in my head. (laughs) Why are you worried about them? Well, I mean, we don't particularly want anybody coming out after us, do we? I mean, isn't there a reason you were chilling in this tunnel? Um, Because it's mine. Um, (laughs) Where we're going, I don't think they can follow. Yet. I just don't want them sneaking up on us again when we're halfway up this thing and having to deal with them. I just would like Mm -hmm. not to have to deal with them again. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it, too. So, like... All right. It's not so much we're concerned about them following us into the real world. We just don't want any more complications while we're down here. In which case, Arnis, roll me some persuasion. Cade's not afraid. 27. Well, if it'll get us out of here, if it'll make you more comfortable with leaving, okay. And in your head, he... It's like you can see him in your head doing like a turn on his heels to turn his back on them. And then just this wall of... Earth and stone rises up, cutting off the tunnel, with them on the other side, of course. But all of you and Cade's companion, Cade's compatriot vessel, are on this side. What do you want to do? Um, proceed toward the nearest exit. <laughs> yeah, let's get moving. There's just the one. You have to make your way up and around in this tunnel for quite some time still. Maybe another mile in. The cave turns, it opens up, it narrows at a few spaces. But the more you're walking through it, the more you can see some bits of intentionality to its design. Like some areas are clearly better for privacy. Some are better for group settings. Some feel more comfortable. Like just being in them, the stone seems a little bit smoother, a little bit warmer in color. Some of it seems a little bit more shut off. And you make your way finally to the end. And as you reach the end of the tunnel, you see a clear difference in the stone, on the ground, and the ceilings, and the walls, and then just this plane of darkness, pitch black. And Cade will tell you, Aranus, that's the way out. Your body's, well, you're all alive, so it shouldn't be a problem. I point the way. That's the way out. Colonel Faybrook stops and looks at you all and says, again, I apologize for what she made me do. But I obviously can't join you through there. Hopefully, it's a long while before I see any of you again. And Suppression and Barreras, this is also the end of the line for the two of you. Without a way through, you can't go back to the world of the living. To cross through that barrier would be painful slash deadly. (laughs) Do I understand the process of how to transfer a soul from say, like, a vessel 
into another vessel? Like, is it easy? What does it require? Do we understand any of that? Um, I would, we'd have to do a role for that. Because that's not necessarily part of assassin training. Oh, gosh. You can roll Arcana or Religion. Well, Vale's going to first consult the most intelligent person in the room, Iolana. Okay. And then I'm going to have them each roll. Absolutely. Okay. Iolana's roll first. It's a 17 for Iolana Arcana. And Vale's Arcana is a 6, which is what you would expect. So Vale, Vale is the one trying to figure this out, right? And Iolana. Well, yeah, uh, consulting Iolana. Yeah. The main reason I ask is because Vale's the one who knows the intention behind this request. Vale, what is it you're thinking about doing here? Vale's just, you know, suppression's done a lot for them, and Vale carries the guilt of not being able to do enough for the changelings of Earl. And so mm-hmm. would offer them a ride back to Earl in the hopes that they could put a conscious changeling into one of the changelings who've lost themselves. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, to accept a soul into your body is a pretty easy process. I'm not going to say it's something that every soul knows how to do, but anyone who's been dead long enough, it's like a, it's a, it's like an instinctual thing. It's like a reflex souls. And bodies, it's like a, it's like magnets almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, given a vessel, a soul will flow into it. There has to be intent, or like desire, or acceptance, or in some cases, force to do it. But if you wanted to offer a ride to suppression, that is not a problem. My my question is just like the ability to you know, get how, them getting into, them into yeah. something. Yeah, up. yeah. So, getting a soul into your body, as you saw with Cade, is fairly simple. Souls want to be in bodies. They just need to have the permission to do so, or they need to be able to overwhelm the person they are trying to go into. One of those is far kinder than the other. Arnis and Cade did the kind version of it. As far as get out, that's a different matter. I don't know how much Yolana has studied this in particular, but I will say that with Yolana's mystic training and psychic focus training, she probably learned along the way somewhere that moving souls is a lot like moving minds because when you you know when you put your mind into someone else's when you're reading someone else's thoughts or when you're trying to take control of their body with like magic like putting your will into someone else there's a lot of overlap there it's not like you need to have a magical tool or ritual to get it done there certainly are such things but it's not necessary you know if you've got good conditions like safety and willingness mm-hmm. on all parts. I think the bigger challenge would just be finding that that other body to put them into. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to contemplate that for a minute. Okay. Barreras or suppression. These people are about to leave. Are there any last things that you want to say or do? Barreras is going to look a little bewilderedly a word at Arnis, and I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> It's a very dad thing to say. And Aranis is going to look back and say, I assure you that I don't. (laughs) That is a very Aranis thing to say. (laughs) But if there's a way to save my mom, I'm going to find it. Okay. Suppression, Darwin. Suppression, I think, is caught off guard by 
how melancholy they're finding this. Like they had signed on to help and was happy to help and did not expect to be kind of at a loss for words when the journey was over. But that's what they are. Mm -hmm. Is suppression at all surprised that you're actually achieving this goal? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not bad surprised, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut off guard, to say the least. And I can definitely see it as like a, oh, holy shit, we actually, we're going to do this? Like <laughs> like the dog actually catching the mailman? <laughs> How does suppression feel about going back to Corin to fulfill his oath? I forget what the oath is. Suppression's oath? Pretty sure suppression agreed to go serve Corum In exchange for? Uh, helping Vale get out. Got you. Serve Corum in any specific sense, or was it just serve Corum? It was like join his ranks because Karis said she would rejoin the the uh, the Harpy Squadrons, and I want to say that suppression kind of jumped on that suggestion. Yeah, they're they're good with that. It's good to have some direction, right? Okay. Okay, then Vale, have you pondered any more? Yeah, remembering that they both have promises to Corum that they oh I am not going to offer suppression a ride because i don't want to piss him off okay i will take a moment though with each of them and like thank them for what they did to get me here because it was uh it was a long road to get here mm-hmm. Vale's not in any state to be emotional but uh there's a god you think of like the most cliched like dude bro goodbye you could think of <laughs> just like that silent like knowing handshake and that's about all Vale can do with the opposite hand <laughs> and then a pat on the shoulder and a thank you. And this is about as emotional as it's going to get right now. Okay. I just, after Barreras is going to hug you. Oh, and again, Vale is on the receiving end of an awkward one-armed hug. <laughs> it's what the grays do, man. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but no, that's, that is quite all right. Anything left before you step into the darkness? Back into the void between worlds. Nope. I don't think so. Okay. This may be the last time we get to see Barreras or Suppression for a while. <sighs> Who's going first? I think we have to let Vale go first. Agree. Okay. Vale steps into the darkness. Who's following? I'll go. Mm-hmm. Vale. And then Aranus. So is it Darwin bringing up the rear or is it Iolana? Darwin would probably attempt to go after Aranus. Okay. But if Violana shoves him out of the way, whichever. <laughs> okay. And so, the four of you, with your hitchhiker, step into the darkness in between Coram's realm and the Grayscape. There's an intense amount of pressure and current in the darkness as you feel yourselves moving from one to the other. And eventually... That darkness and that pressure and that current gives way to the feeling of that warm snow as you feel yourselves being pushed upwards through it. Darvin, make me a constitution saving throw. Okay. Say a 15. Nice. So Darvin, as you re-enter the grayscape and re-enter into this weird flow of time that exists in the grayscape, you start to feel a very weird to unsettling sensation in your leg. 
The one that's been removed. Got you. The one that's been stolen back in the world of the living. And at first it feels like tingling. And then it feels like a hot tingling. And then it feels like a stabbing sensation. (sighs) As if your leg were being stabbed over and over again all at once. And there's just this intense swell of pain. You take two points of damage and you just feel your leg flare up with pain. You can't tell why, just because something is happening to your leg out there in the real world. Right. Which you cannot see at this moment. As soon as you get to the surface of the grayscape and can stand on the ground again, stand on the snow again, that pain flares up and it makes it difficult to walk for a little bit. But otherwise, you recover. And the four of you are standing out in the grayscape, surrounded by the snow. You can see the rolling dunes, the hills. You can see some icy crags. And then, as, well, I don't know, as expected or as promised or or however, but you see a familiar face come riding up through the snow as you see Escape on the back of Ward, who is swimming through the ground horn poking out in front like a ship's bow. Ah, yes, the great narwhal. (laughs) Who everybody recognizes, except, of course, for Vale, who uh, did not have the chance to meet Escape and Ward before. (sighs) Welcome back, everyone. I take it this is your friend here? Yep. (sighs) So everything went as planned? Sure, why not? Sort of. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Would you all like to go back and uh, see the Hollow Queen before you return home? The who? Do you need to rest? Ooh, yes. Rest. We, we do need to rest. I think that's a good idea. Good. Looks like you've been through hell. But I'm bumped. I can make bad jokes too. Yeah, well. Okay. Well, yeah. If y'all hop onto the back of Ward here. I can bring us all back to the Tangled Alcove. If you want to speak to the Hollow Queen, you can. If you just want to rest, that's fine too. Cool. Rest sounds great. Well, all right then. Hop aboard, everyone. Everybody climbs onto the back of Ward then, who starts swimming through the ground, bringing you back to the Tangled Alcove. Vale again, not a person you know. This is not a place you recognize. But when you get there, it's this nice sunken hollow in the ground with an icy web-like dome at the center at the bottom. And there's just a bunch of, well, what we were calling the snowkin before, but as they've identified themselves as the vacant, they're around, they're in their makeshift pretend homes, and they are living their, I don't want to say mockery, because that sounds bad, but they're, you get to view them at their attempt to live like what a, how a normal person would live, how, how they imagine people on your side, on the living side, people with souls live. And Escape will tell you, well, you're free to rest wherever you want. If you want to hang out with me, that's fine. What do you want to do? Arnis is going to just like plop down wherever and just... <laughs> Arnis falls down into the snow. Yep. Okay. Darren figures Arnis has a god inside him. And so if Arnis, Arnis is smart now. Smarter now. A demigod, please. So Darwin, Darwin's going to do like Arnis. It's a, a lot of trust there, buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vale and Iolana, 
As the other two go to sleep, Vale and Iolana look at each other and go, you take the first watch, I take the first watch, you, me, you, 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 you. and Iolana uh, will nod and offer to take their first watch knowing what uh, Vale has gone through. Okay. Well, then let's all go and have ourselves a long rest here. Yeah. Get your hit points and spells and everything all back. And half of your hit die. Yes. I used four. It's half rounded down, right? Mm-hmm. Of hit dice? I think hit dice yeah. are the only ones that round up. Everything else rounds down. So, so you all take a well-deserved rest here in the grayscape. Here in the tangled alcove, surrounded by the vacant, finding yourselves fully recovered and back together, what is the plan? We go. Just go? That's Vale's plan. Vale wants to get back to the realm of the living. This is not it. No, this is, this is almost it. This is almost it. Okay. Darvin, is there anything that you want to do here before you return back and rejoin your body? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, if everybody's eager to get back to the world of the living, who am I to argue? Right? Right. When you'd first come out here to the Tangled Alcove, Escape had told you that she and Ward would help you get back to the portal if you wanted their help. Do you still want their help, or do you want to just go on your own? Yeah. No, no, we'll, we'll take their help. <laughs> it's more for speed than anything. Yeah. In which case, fine. During the trip back to the portal... Escape will ask you something. She asks, what was it like in Coram's realm? What was it like there? We've never been. All Vale says is, I don't intend to go back anytime soon. <laughs> was it, was it dangerous? Yes, but I don't know how much danger it is to somebody who's actually dead. It was dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. We met a few actually dead people for whom it was pretty dangerous, didn't we? Some of them had made their own danger. Yeah. But, yeah. Some uh, innocent people getting chased around. There's, yeah. And there's Colonel Faybrook, who was in a, sent, in a kind of danger. But, yeah. Okay. I don't mean to pry, but did you think about finding anybody while you were there? Uh, what? What do you mean? I mean... You know, reconnecting with people you've lost. Well, I mean, we had a mission. Yeah, but no friends, no family that you wanted to see? We didn't have time. Okay. I mean, I like escape, but I'm not about to, like... (laughs) No, that's fine. You don't have to tell her anything. Divulge all the, like, father-son reunion. I mean, you've got other people that you know who are dead. I wasn't necessarily meaning Barreras Gray. No, I know. I know, but... Okay. All right. Well, well, I'm glad it worked out for you all. Uh, I'd say it's the first time I've seen anybody go there. It's definitely the first time I've seen anybody come back. That wasn't a god, but they're different. Hmm. Harness lets out a small chuckle. <laughs> okay. I think Escape just kind of like eyes you coyly, just like, hmm, but isn't going to press the matter. Well, here we are. As Ward pulls up to the portal, yeah. 10, 15 feet away. If you're all ready to get back to it, that's how you came in. Awesome. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Is everybody ready to go back? Ready. 
No, but go for it. <laughs> Who's going back first? Vale. Okay. I mean, not surprising at all. Vale's the one who's most been, uh, who's been longest away. Vale, you pass through this portal and you find yourself in a room in a place you don't recognize. When you had left the cavern under Capris, it was very much that. Just this big open cavern, burning campfire. It was wet. It was dark. But you find yourself now in a completely finished and furnished room. Fine stonework for walls. There's a very comfortable looking armchair. There's a small chest of drawers on top of which is just is money and jewels. Above it is a very large painting of Aranus playing M. There are candles burning. And as you look around the room, you can see Darwin missing a leg. But there's Darwin. He's got a sword there where his leg once was. That is definitely new. <laughs> Pretty badass. There's Eolana standing. There, there is Aranus with the bone statue of his mother, hands resting on his shoulder in a very weak embrace. And sitting on the floor in front of a very heavy-looking door with a small barred window, sitting cross-legged, almost fully overtaken by the withering, is Sicarius, who's been keeping watch over you. You all, I should say. Who's next? Me. Okay. I guess I should say, or I guess I should ask, Vale, in this first instant of being back, before any of your friends rejoin you, like, what, what do you do? Like, what do you think? What do you say? What do you do? I sit down in the chair and I sleep. <laughs> okay. Vale hasn't had an honest-to-goodness moment of good rest since they crossed into the other realm. Okay. And they're just exhausted. I wasn't sure if that night in the grayscape would be enough, but all right. It's like, it's like mechanically enough, but you can't account for the weight of the whole thing on Vale emotionally and mentally. Oh yeah. Sometimes your soul needs a nap. I get it. Okay. Aranus coming second. You emerge into this room as well. You see Vale quickly napping in the chair. You see this large painting of yourself over a set of drawers covered in money and jewels. That's awkward. But... I mean, but the first thing that you notice, of course, is as you come back into your body is there's the form of your mother still right there in that half embrace. And there on the ground in front of the door is your half sister, Sicarius, almost fully overtaken by the withering. But who looks up, looks into your eyes and you see a smile on her face. Who's coming next? Me. All right. Oh, Darwin, you're you're a fun one. Uh-huh. <gasps> no leg, Darwin. Well, it's only because someone stole it. Darwin, as you come in through the portal and rejoin into your body, you see the room, you see Vale napping in the chair, you see the money, you see the painting, you see Sicarius. But what you definitely notice as you're like rejoining the other half of your body is there's a little bit of a stumble for a moment. And you look down, you remember your leg being stolen, but in the grayscape in Corum's realm, you had your leg and it was just fine. But now looking down, you can see both your legs. 
but you can see right through the leg that has been stolen to the sword blade. You have an ethereal leg. It is visually there, but it is like a ghost. Whoa. Ghost leg. <laughs> mm-hmm. So while your leg is visually there, it's no longer substantially there. Weird. Like people will people will see the leg, but they will see the sword. So the other people see it the same way I do? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean someone stole your leg. I wasn't sure how to you're still missing it. It's still gone. Like that doesn't fade to exist doesn't stop existing now that you're back. Sure. It's like you got split into two halves and now you only have the visual half of that leg. Hmm. I suppose you could take the vision. I think you could take it off, like still in the visual sense <laughs> and just have a ghost leg following you around. <laughs> and I could have it attack but, people and not actually do any good. <laughs> yeah. Just put the ghost but leg yeah. in the boot of holding. It might psych people out to get kicked in the face with the <laughs> ethereal leg. It may. You reach down to touch your leg and your hand passes through it and you can touch the blade now. But if you focus in on your leg, you can like do enough to pull it off, basically. And still, just as you did when you first entered the grayscape, you can feel a sense of stabbing, of pain every once in a while in your leg from something. Whoever has your leg is definitely doing a thing with it. <sighs> and I will tell you this much, it is far better that it is your leg they're doing it with and not your head. I'm sure. All right. And finally... Iolana, returning back, you find yourself in a very comfortable-looking room with all of your companions, pile of money, big painting of Aranus, Sicarius watching over everyone, and a very clearly locked door. As the last of you arrive, Sicarius very weakly looks up, just addresses the group. I'm so glad you finally made it back. I've been holding out as best I could to keep from being overwhelmed. I'm afraid now all I can do is watch. It's been a while since we've been locked in here, but I couldn't leave if I wanted to. I'm just glad that you have returned. I'm glad that you're safe. And Arnis, I'm glad that I got to see you again. If you all... Um, when you get out of here, please be careful. It's not the same up there anymore. Capris has changed. The world has changed. But if there's anything you can do about it, you have my support. I, I run to her. Like, just whatever the distance is. It's probably not far, but just It's like, not far. Like, I cross the room, drop to my knees, give her a hug and whisper in her ear. It's the last thing I do. I'm going to find a way to save you. She smiles. And there's a tear down her cheek. Thank you, Arnis. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello and Sierra Jones. At the $15 governor level, thank you, 
Phoenix Brian. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrenpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrenpodcast.com. As always, we want to thank Vanessa Blockland for our podcast art. You can find more of her work on Twitter at Art by Vanessa B. And thanks to Daryl Dibber Reckonos for creating our theme music. You can find more of his music at dibbermusic.com and on Twitter at dibbermusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrim.